Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast that some small towns in the Bible Belt play over their loudspeakers to warm of impending tornadoes. I'm Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you cosmic gypsy king with the physique of a young Willem Dafoe. How you doing, sir? Like a tornado, I'm also wild and unpredictable and full of takes that like spew out here today. I will not be slinging cows, but I will be slinging heat. Uh, I may be slinging cows. Um, we'll see where the night goes. I, I am avoiding uh, alcohol for the next two weeks after my weekend in Baltimore. Um, so, I mean, maybe the takes will be more measured, but I really doubt it. We've got uh, we got some stuff to cover tonight, so I'm actually pretty excited for this one. Yeah, I was able to spend like spend a lot of time on this deep dive to rank the defenses to continue with our segment from that last week of ranking offenses. And I came to the conclusion that this is really difficult. There's not a lot of good defenses in the conference. No, and uh, we're going to get into that in a minute. But first, uh, some quick hits. Nothing too major except for a probably the left tackle of the future and Evan Link committed to Michigan uh, over the weekend. He was present at the barbecue, which by all accounts was a big success. 2023 class. I mean, this is a big dude, 6'6". I mean, he's already like 260. This dude's going to be a monster. Um, so that was a good get. Pushes up uh, us up into the top 25. 
25 on 247 Sports. And uh, like I said, if we finish in the top 25, I'm not going to. My concern level's at a zero. It doesn't have to be the craziest, like most elite recruiting class, but getting good pieces like this, especially on the lines, like the lines look solid. So I, I think this is a great get. Absolutely. And this is, I think, the biggest single moment for recruiting in the offseason. It's one of the last weekends before the uh, fall camp gets underway. So it was vital that they have a lot of guys on campus interacting and have that last big push before the prospective freshmen go off into their final year of high school and Michigan gets into camp as well. So I think it was a huge success. Uh, you mentioned Evan Link committed and there's rumors and crystal balls all over the place for more players to come. And everybody has their eyes on Jaden Davis, maybe the quarterback of the future. Yeah, there's still huge, huge names out there. And uh, people are starting to trend that way. And Jaden Davis being the biggest fish less out there. I mean, there's also Nicole Harbor, the the five star. So, I mean, there's still some huge, huge names that are considering Michigan. I mean, the season hasn't even started yet. Get some of these guys to the big house, get them into that atmosphere. And and I'm, I'm starting to think we're going to be just fine with this recruiting class. And there's still a chance for it to be better than just fine. There's still a chance for it to be awesome. So um, I think uh, the the fears were premature. The fears were premature. So uh, that's that's a that was good news. And then uh, this was good news. Something you just told me moments before we started. Chris Jenkins is 290 pounds. That's obscene. Man is a monster now. He was 275 first couple years in Ann Arbor, most recently in the spring at weigh-ins, and he tweeted today 290. So, yeah, Chris Jenkins is going to start alongside Mozzie Smith. You can book that. I mean, that dude's going to play a lot. That is a big, big dude. And uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on because it was an error from last week. We were talking about one of the potential freshmen that Jim Harbaugh said was a gift from the football gods. And I think we missed on the guy that it actually was. I think it's Kenneth Grant. I said it was Mason Graham, but he's saying that Kenneth Grant is running sub five as like at his size and he's like Jordan Davis size. They're saying he's running like a four, nine 40, which is freak stuff. Um, and I mean, if both Graham and Kenneth Grant hit, I mean, we're talking maybe your next Mozzie Smith, uh, Chris Hinton duo right up there that we just recruited in the same class. So that class, it's super early, obviously, but things are trending and looking really good at the de defensive tackle position. Well, just the fact that Kenneth Grant was still in high school and like at that size and like was not an early enrollee. So he's only been with the team here for a few weeks now. And is that that big, that strong and that fast just off a of high school or like home built program is insane. So now that he's going to be working with Ben Herbert in Michigan, I mean, he's just only going to get stronger and faster from here. Yeah, that dude could be freaky good. So really excited about that. And uh, I mean, like I said, you know, Mozzie Smith and and um, and Chris Hinton, kind of an underrated duo at defensive tackle. But we had a couple of years of them and like they played together, stayed on the line throughout their years there. Hinton maybe leaves a little bit early, but to have that next pair right in house and kind of being able to see the early seeds being planted right now is is pretty awesome so um all right speaking of defenses that is the topic of the day we did offenses last week and that was a really fascinating exercise because we were uh pretty lockstep on our offenses i think we had like six of ten correct or seven of ten that we we had the exact same i don't think that's going to be the case with defenses this week no, last week we were talking about how strong the conference is offensively, and I feel the exact opposite defensively. I feel there's a coin flip for a lot of teams. Like 
I understand people being low on Michigan, losing seven starters, but we know what's there and we'll go into it further while we feel optimistic about that. So that could be the case for a lot of teams where we just don't know the ins and outs or these guys have a lot of experience, although they weren't starters. So coin flips across the board here. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, obviously, like in a lot of these situations, I'm talking myself out of teams because i'm like there's no way you can lose all those guys and get better but yet then it comes to michigan and i'm like oh yeah we're gonna lose those guys and be just fine so like there was definitely some homerism that was seeping in on this one and uh i don't know i'm fascinated to see where everything's at so uh why don't you get us started with your number 10 team sir all right, number 10, this is honestly one of the hardest teams for me to place. Uh, just number 10 in general is hard for me to find because I thought there's a clear bottom five here in my research. I ended up ultimately going with Indiana at number 10 because they returned seven starters despite losing Micah McFadden, who I thought was the best linebacker in the conference last year. Um, I think they're going to be improved. Uh, they were a they were number 10 last year in total defense, 14 in scoring. I think you'll see an uptick in the scoring total be right around there again. And they bring in a new defensive coordinator who was the defensive line coach in Minnesota last year, uh, Chad Wilt. And I like what he's going to bring to this team. Uh, so you had Indiana at number 10. You broke up for a second there, uh, but I, I believe I recognized enough of those names. That was Indiana at 10 for you. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I do not have Indiana ranked. Uh, I, I like that one. I considered them, but we preview Indiana tonight and they're uh, I'm going to go in on just how bad Indiana was last year. They are going to be improved. There's no doubt about it. And, and I actually I want to save some of that because we're going to talk about the entire Indiana team in the second half. I did not have Indiana on mine at number 10. I have Rutgers. I have Greg Schiano. I'm a believer in Schiano. Um, they're not really, they're kind of uh, right up there with us as far as returning talent. They have a lot of new guys to bring in, which is a lot harder to bring guys in at Rutgers and expect immediate results. But the cupboard isn't bare there. I like what Shiano does. Uh, the schedule certainly doesn't do him any favors as it always does, which could be the reason that they fall out of this top 10 is like the schedule and having to play. I mean, just as Rutgers, anybody that you play is going to be tough. But this is more a bet on Shiano putting them to just crack the top 10. That's a very safe bet. They were just outside the top 10 for me, uh, although they bring back five starters from last year. What scared me away is I only bring up one in the trenches, so I'm really worried about them trying to piece that together. But if you're going to bet on somebody, Shiano feels like a safe one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, sir, number nine. Number nine is Michigan State for me. And uh, this defense has the potential in the front seven to be really good. They bring back Cal Halliday, uh, Jacob Slade, um, just two anchors and stalwarts there. I think Cal Halliday is really good, um, but their secondary is terrible. I think they have, they have legit have a top five front seven in the Big Ten, but they have a bottom five secondary, so that's why they get the ranking of ninth for my preseason. This is, without a doubt, the biggest variance of team. Um, I moved them up and down a bunch. There's re You can talk yourself into drastic improvements, and you can talk yourself into this team falling off a cliff. They had the worst pass defense in the nation last year. Everybody knows that. But they were still able to be like a respectable defense. But some of that was kind of hidden because of how bad the, the pass defense was. Like 
nobody needed to run the ball. So the secondary is going to be better where they lose guys in the pass rush, like Panashuk and Beasley. They're bringing in um, a, a transfer from Florida that they expect to be really good. They also expect to have a pretty strong rotation there. So the, the line is pretty solid. And I think the secondary improves. I mean, you're getting a, a Georgia transfer that they expect to start at one of the corners right away. And you can't be worse than last. So they're just like by default going to make improvements. And Mel Tucker, while I think is drastically overrated, is a defensive minded coach. And I just can't imagine that he would allow that secondary to be that bad again. So I had them much higher. I had them at sixth, but um like you said, I mean, it, it could easily be ninth for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. Huge variance with that with Michigan State. And they get harder teams in the West. This it year. was such a weird defense to place. Yeah, it was such a hard team to place. The schedule's harder. That Last year they were 10th in scoring, 14th in total yardage. So you're a little higher on them than me. But, man, it's, a, it's such a hard team to figure out. Yeah, yep, absolutely. At number nine, I had Nebraska. Do you have them on your list? Uh, I do not because they only bring back one starter in the secondary, zero people up front, and JoJo Doma is also gone. Yeah, this is the one that I'm uh, most like, eh, I don't know about this pick. I mean, part of it was, uh, and their schedule's tough. <laughs> like, they have they have a tough schedule mm-hmm. again. Yeah. So um, I, I probably would, I, I don't like this pick anymore. I don't know why I put Nebraska there. Just because they were there last year, they were surprisingly stingy. But the returning production, they like the guys they have coming in. Like, if you read their, their message boards and, like, their content that they're putting out, they think they're upgrading at a lot of positions. But that's not a good enough reason. I agree with you. I should have had the, probably should have had them below number nine. Yeah, repent for your sins, son. Uh, no, I understand why you went Easy. with them, though. They, they were eighth in they were eighth in scoring last year, seventh in total defense in the conference. So you're banking on like having that foundation and getting the coach when they come in there. So no, it's it's not a horrible pick, but it's just like, like I said, these bottom couple are just like like really coin flips. Yeah, and they're all bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, sir, number eight. Uh, number eight for me is one that's going to surprise you, I think. I have Illinois and Brett Bielema, the fighting Illini at number eight. Last year, they were sixth in scoring defense, eighth in total defense, bring back six key starters, and they get uh, linebacker Calvin Hart Jr., who is very solid, so he's returning from injury as well. So I feel pretty good about Illinois. I might even be too low on him, but I have him at eight. I'm definitely too low on him because I don't have him on here. Um and I should have believed in Brett Mielma. Nobody that understands barbecue sauce selection like that man is going to have a, like back-to-back bad years. And they weren't that bad last year. They were pretty sneaky, like you mentioned. So um, I, I think that you're right here. I had Northwestern here just because of the history of it. If you look at like the past eight years and uh, Pat Fitzgerald coach teams, like they make drastic improvements, especially coming off of a down year and coming off of, you know, kind of a couple there. I expect there just to be a massive jump. So um, I don't necessarily like my order. I think I like Illinois. Um, I think I like your order a little bit more, but I do like having Northwestern in my top 10. Do you have Northwestern up there? I do not. I have them off my list. I, Everything you said is right. I was like going back and forth with having them at 10th where Indiana is. Uh, but what, what got me out was just they're missing those key pieces on the defense. They lose a couple on the defensive line. They lose two linebackers. 
and they lose their best defensive player, Brandon Joseph, who transferred out of there, I believe, to Notre Dame. Yeah. So that one really scared me away, losing all that talent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They do have a really good linebacker that's going to be kind of the heart and soul of the defense. And it was just a, a bet on, like, history. It's like they don't go two years in a row, like, with their defense being that bad. But I'm probably a little too high on them and Nebraska. But, uh, all right, let me let me give my number seven team first this time. I've got Purdue. I've got Purdue here. Purdue is a sneaky team. And I kind of, if you go based on their uh, their production last year, have them maybe improving just a little bit. But that could go either way. They lose Karloftis, which is obviously a big loss. So their pass rush, very similarly to ours, doesn't get better. You don't get better by losing your best pass rusher. But also, similarly to our defense, they should improve in almost every other area. Like, the secondary is going to be better. I, I'm, I firmly believe that. I think they'll be better against the run. Um, they've got they've got some guys, especially um, up front. Um, they've got Johnson and Dean up there. They got a Penn State transfer coming in, a lot like adding to some depth. So they like their depth. Um, and then, like I said, I think the pass defense improves a lot. So they're like kind of similar to our defense in like what they're replacing and where they're at. So I'm pretty high on them. But the reason, the number one reason I have Purdue this high, Ron. English baby my boy is the defensive play caller so I'm pretty high on Purdue where are your balls sir I have them at number five let's go let's go I moved them up but then I talked myself out and moved uh moved MSU up uh just because MSU loaded up on the transfer portal man I don't know how it all works together but MSU like they got a lot of talent in the in the transfer portal but yeah, I love it, though. I love your Purdue love. I'm high on them, too. I have one thing better than the transfer portal, and that's continuity. Uh, the Boilermakers bring back nine starters on defense. They were six last year in total, seventh in scoring. I think bringing back nine starters, although you're losing Karloftis, which is a big loss, nine starters with that unit, the things you can do with knowing the person next to you as well as you do, I love that. Yeah, I love it, man. All right, we're both similarly high on Purdue. Who did you have at number seven? Uh, number seven, I had Penn State. So uh, last year, Penn State was actually the second best scoring defense, fifth overall uh, in total defense. But they have a new system coming in. They have a lot of losses, significant losses at each level, and a new scheme with Manny Diaz. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a regression. I, I kept Penn State off out of spite. They're going to be in the top ten. I should probably replace them with Nebraska. Um, and put them at number nine on my list. They'll be fine. But like you said, to lose that much and be like changing coordinators, don't like their schedule. I don't like the way they've been trending. I just think that they've been getting progressively worse. I, I think feel like I'm losing my mind um, that everyone keeps giving James Franklin all this love. And I'm like, dude, they've gotten worse every year since they won that Rose Bowl. So I just I don't have a ton of respect for Penn State. The defense will be stingy. It will be top 10. I'm too low on them. I think it was just done out of what, how much I disrespect the Franklin regime. Good. If a list is not done without any disrespect, then it's not a proper list. So I'm proud of you in that aspect. And you're 100% right. They've been 11 and 11 the last two years. I projected them to go six and six this season and really struggle. And once they lose Sean Clifford, who's been the anchor there since the Reagan administration, I don't know what they're going to do at that position because they have some of the like, they have some of the like, most talent in the country, but he can't do anything with it in terms of development. So, no, I think middle of the pack is right there, and 
honestly, you seem to be a coach-based guy based on your uh, Pat Fitzgerald love and, and uh, the Scott Frost system, their defense there. So I don't blame you for keeping Penn State off. You're keeping with your brand, sir. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, I uh, I retract my Nebraska love. That was, uh, I think it was just trying to find a way to keep Penn State off. But uh, at number six, I had Michigan State, sir. Who did you have at number six? Uh, number six is going to surprise some people, I think, as well. So last year, Ohio State was ninth in scoring and ninth in total defense. I do th- think they improve, so I moved them up to six. But they have a hard schedule with physical teams that really can exploit their weaknesses, such as Notre Dame and Wisconsin coming onto their schedule now. We're going to be very physical with them, really test them. Uh, Jim Knowles is a great defensive coordinator, but he's coming over from the Big 12. He's going to run a 3-3-5, so it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust to that. And just really committing to stopping the run because I think Ohio State defense is built to stop modern offenses. But that's not Michigan. That's not Wisconsin. So it's like I have them up to six for the sole reason of Jim Knowles plus the talent they have is going to equal some improvement. Uh, we're pretty lockstep on that. I'm a little higher, mostly due to because you know some of the other chicanery I had up higher on my list. Uh, but I'm with I am a Knowles believer, and I'm back here in Ohio currently. Just talking to some of the the coaches that are around the high school camps, they're really high on what that defense is going to be. They think that's going to be one of the nastiest defenses out there. Uh, they're number one in the Big Ten as far as overall returning production. A lot of that's like at different positions. You know, they've got um, a lot of their offensive line back and stuff but they're still pretty there's some continuity on that on that defense and uh they're super athletic i agree with you about the schedule so if we're just talking numbers the numbers might be skewed but i think this is going to be a stout defense that can get after the quarterback so i got them at four but you got them at six so we're, we're not far off there uh at number five i have wisconsin where did you have them uh, I have Wisconsin at four because okay. I have Purdue at five. Okay, so we're we're getting a little closer as we get towards the top. Some of those ones at the back, like you were saying, are coin flips. I was like, these are all bad teams. Why are we talking about them? But uh, I have Wisconsin. I'm a little higher on Wisconsin this year. Um, but it's just because this is what they do year in and year out. Um, if you look at their scoring defense from last year, do you have that one pulled up? I'm going back and forth between 20 tabs here. Um Yeah, Wisconsin was first last year in the conference in scoring and total defense. Right. And a lot of that was easy schedule. You know, they play they play in the other division and, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of that again this year. But I I like what they do year in and year out. Yeah, my biggest thing is it was hard for me to rank them because they only bring back three starters. But when it comes down to it, I believe in Jim Leonard. I think he's one of the best assistant coaches year in and year out with them. So I think he's going to have him ready to play. He'll develop the next great crop of linebackers there. They'll be very physical, impossible to run on consistently. So, yeah, I have Wisconsin at four. Tough to get the big play on, too, always at Wisconsin. And uh, I don't have their schedule pulled up. But if I seem to remember correctly, it's not super daunting. Rarely is it. They have Ohio State this year, though. Yeah, okay, that's true. Well, that'll skew the defensive numbers, so you don't want to put them too high then. So I, I think we're pretty close on where Wisconsin's going to be. Who you got at number three, sir? Man, this is when it gets tough for me. I have Minnesota at number three. They bring back seven starters. They lose their defensive line coach. They were a very good unit last year, second in scoring, second in total defense, play in the West, had a pretty easy schedule. So I have Minnesota at three. Uh, we are both 
similarly high on Minnesota. This is going to be a really good unit, kind of an underrated unit. Minnesota could surprise some people next year. I have uh, the University of Michigan uh, at number three. Might have heard of them. Um, for reasons that we've talked about on 20 other podcasts and are going to talk about later. So, uh, well, I I'm excited to see where you have us, but I've got us at three. I've got Minnesota one above us at two, but I think it's close. I think those two are really close. I flip flop back and forth a lot on these. Um, yeah, it, this could go either way. I think our, I like our schedule a lot, plenty, but they avoid, I think they avoid Ohio state. Yeah, they, they, they do. do, and I have Michigan at two. I have Michigan at two on mine. Um, biggest thing for me is the secondary is Michigan's strength. Jim Harbaugh has produced at least one first-round pass rusher with every starting pass rushing duo since 2015, so I believe in them to get the job done there. And also, Michigan has eight games at home this season. They were the number one home scoring defense last year, and that's not coming off of a bad defense because they were fourth in scoring in total overall last year as well so i think they're going to be good and having more games at home is only going to benefit uh you could have made the case for them to be number one and i don't it wouldn't surprise me if they get up to number one eight home games and your really difficult away game your first one is at iowa if that game if there's more than 36 points scored in that game i'd be surprised and then you know the ohio state one well that's that's big numbers every year i mean that's literally every time we play them for the last two decades. I mean, the, the scores are getting higher every time. So I expect big numbers there. So with Michigan's schedule, it could set up that they're number one. Uh, we both have the same team at number one. So the only one that we share, and that is the Iowa Hawkeyes, because um, just why not? They return almost everybody on a really good defense. Uh, they get Riley Moss back in that secondary. Um, no reason to think Iowa falls off the, the pedestal, right? There's not they, – they bring back eight starters. You mentioned Riley Moss at corner. The only loss that's concerning for them is the three players they lose on defense are two safeties in their other corner. So the secondary is a little depleted, but the way this team is replenished and having a lockdown like Riley Moss really like eases the burden on the other side, so that's going to help them out a lot. They're very stout in the front, and this defense creates havoc and turnovers. Led the nation last year in creating uh, – with interceptions, so – this unit's going to be tough. They're going to be stout. They play in the Big Ten West, and they get Michigan coming to Kinnick. So, I'm with you, brother. Uh, we're going to break them down even more in the second half, so I'm not going to follow up too much on that. Uh, that's a good place to take a break. That was that's pretty, pretty interesting, closer than I thought in some areas. But like we said uh, when we were talking offline, the variance of the, of the back end of the top ten, it's just it's a smorgasbord of mid- just mid teams. I can't place Michigan State for anything. I, I wrote about them uh, last week. I projected them to go eight and four, but I said you could talk me into ten and two. You could talk me into six and six. I have no idea. And then the bottom half of this defense is man coin flips all over the place. So if Nebraska has a good defense, I won't be surprised. If Penn State's not great, I won't be surprised either. But for the most part, our top five, top six, pretty much spot on. So we see it similarly, but big variances just because uh, it, it's tough to predict with the Big Ten. It might not be the strength of the conference, with, with, which is different. But, I mean, things are trending in that direction, trending more towards an offensive league. So uh, that was an interesting exercise. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to break down weeks four through six, starting with Maryland at Michigan on September 24th. We'll be back right after this. 
Support for Out of the Blue is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Their performance package, the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 10 million balls. Look, as someone who himself is not dissimilar from a noble forest ape when it comes to the scraggly nature of their nether regions, I understand the importance of a good and a safe trim. And the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. The Lawnmower 4.0, first off, the trimmer of the future and grooming. Dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose, Ear, and Hair Trimmer. Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in a free gift to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MNB20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. 20% off shipping and at manscaped.com. Use the code MNB20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Out of the Blue, second half of this podcast. We are talking about weeks four through six, talked about weeks one through three last week. Things get substantially more real in weeks four through six, starting with Maryland. Uh, This is a team that we differ highly on. Uh, We both agree they're pretty wretched on defense, as neither of us mentioned them in the exercise at the top. But what are your off-the-cuff thoughts about Maryland at Michigan, September 24th. I'll be at that game, my father and I. First uh, first time my father's ever been to the big house. That'll be fun. That will be. Good for you guys. That's awesome, man. Um, but with, with Maryland, hopefully you guys are going to be in for a treat because, one, it's at home, and that's a big thing for Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. But when fans are in the stands, Michigan is very tough to beat at home. And I think it's going to be more of the same in this game. Off the cuff, Maryland is good when Turtle is good. And when Turtle is bad, this team is bad. It's that simple. They're a very mid team. They float around six and six, seven wins. I think they'll do the same this year. They will beat the lesser than teams. They'll struggle against the better teams, and they'll be gatekeeper of the middle. 
gatekeeper of the middle. How uh, how backhandedly insulting. Uh, well, speaking of Turtle Tugavailoa, who is the engine of this offense, and I mean, absolutely starts, stops. And I mean, if he gets injured, just pack it in for Maryland. Uh, he set single season records for passing yards last year with 3,860. That'd be nice at Michigan, uh, 328 completions. That was a record completion Senate percentage was a record 69.2 set the record for passing touchdowns with 26 and 300 yard passing games with seven. He had 11 interceptions, but five of those came against Iowa in that awful, awful game where Riley Moss just ate his lunch. Um, I'm really high on turtle. I am not super high on the team as a whole. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I think I'm finally going to convince you this season to come around on Turtle as a as a quarterback. And like he's saddled with a pretty rough starting cast. But this year he's got Rakeem Jarrett, who's a pretty good wide receiver. And then he's got Dante Demas coming back, who could be really, really good. I mean, he's like 6'4", and he's pretty fast. Dante Demas could be really good if both those guys are healthy. Um, four starters back on the offensive line. Like the offense could be really good. There's no doubt about that. So my thing with Turtle is you're always going to get the variance. In wins last season, he was 73.1% completion percentage, 345 a game, 15 tutties to one pick. And in losses last year, his completion percentage dropped to 64.3, 254 yards a game, and he threw nine touchdowns to 10 picks. There's just too much variance in there for me to trust him week in and week out. I rewatched the Maryland-Michigan game recently. He misses the same wide open receiver on pretty much the same play on back-to-back plays in the red zone. So I don't trust that either. I think he gets in his head at times. So I don't know, man. You got a long way to go to winning me over here. I mean, those numbers don't frighten me at all. Like five in the Iowa game is a huge, huge, like that swings that incredibly. And that was a loss. So you take that away. He has four and he's still completing 64% with 250 yards per game. You said, well, that's better than Kate McNamara. Like, so your bad game statistics are better than Cade McNamara if you take away the Iowa game. So uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm still really high on what this guy could be. Um, I mean, he's just going to get better with age. Like he was only a sophomore last year. So now like you're going to start to see who he's really going to be with a good offensive line and two really good receivers. Health is obviously going to be key, but I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, this kid could be good. I, I, I am an absolute believer, but it's good that we finally disagree on something. We're too often uh, on the same side of this thing. So I'm happy to happy to disagree about Turtle Tug of Iloa. One, never tell me he's better than Cade McNamara. Just to, don't, I'm going to ignore that comment. Just ignoring it. The stats are the stats, but what did Jake <laughs> Butt teach us last year? They don't matter. And number two, I love that you said, if you take away the five interception game, the stats are okay. It's like, yeah, but it happened. <laughs> I get it. But it's like when uh, early in the season, it's like, wow, uh, uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis is leading the league in three point percentage because like he had one game where he went four for four. It totally skews the stats when you have an awful game like he shouldn't have been in. He shouldn't have been throwing. The game was long over like. They should have like just sealed that. I remember watching that abysmal performance, but you got to live and die when you're a gunslinger. And like, as a gunslinger, you're going to have games like that. Like, I don't know. It, it, this is going to be a telling year. I think one of us will emerge as the front runner in that debate this year, but enough about turtle tug of Iloa. As far as like the matchup, do you see any way where Maryland can make this a, a big challenge for Michigan? 
They might be able to catch Michigan early with some big plays because of their potent passing offense, what they return, and the fact that Michigan's coming off three cupcakes to begin the year that we covered last week. We anticipate the Wolverines coming into this game 3-0. and It is a jump up in competition because you're getting competition in general, which is definitely a step up. So Maryland's going to come in here. They could be able to jump early on the team, but I just think with Michigan's ability to run the ball against that interior the way they utilize Donovan Edwards and the options they'll have on offense, I think they'll be able to wear down Maryland and really limit their possessions. And I think it will kind of back them up into a corner and first force Turtle into making some bad decisions and trying to be the hero. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, a lot of that. I think we're also going to be able to stifle the run, make them one-dimensional, and make him have to beat us a lot of times. So long as you're not giving up big plays to Demas um, or Rakeem Jarrett, like, he's fast. So keep those guys in front of you. Don't let them get the big, gigantic chunk yards. Make them dink and dunk. And then I, I don't expect them to be huge rushing threats. Um, I don't. I didn't even write down the name of the guy that's uh, going to be their leading rusher. He had about 300 yards rushing last year. They lost their biggest producer there. And then on defense, they've it's their fourth defensive coordinator since 2019. I kind of forgot about this. The, the guy that took over, Brian Williams, he took over last year after Michigan hung 59 of them. We got the last guy fired. Good, good. He doesn't deserve to have a job getting 59 hung on his head. No, I agree with you. So, uh, all right, key players of the game or breakout game, who you got? Uh, breakout game for this one, I like Blake Corum. He didn't get a play in the game last year, so I really think he could have a big one here to make a statement. Man, watching early season Corum highlights from last year, you just forget about who he was. So I'm really anticipating like a big quorum game here on the ground. I think defensively, you could see a big one from uh, DJ Turner. I think you could pick one of the safeties as well. But I'm going to go with Turner taking away one of the receivers and probably coming down with an interception in this one because who, who got him in the Maryland? Was it Turner that got him in the Maryland game? I think it was. He had a pick six. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was an awesome one too. That was the juggled one, right? No, that was Northwestern. This is the one where he baited him into the zone and That's then picked right. it off yep. and housed it. Yep, 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 absolutely. That was an awesome one, too. Yeah, I totally agree with you on Turner. I was going to say him as well as player of the game. Uh, maybe lesser people forget how good Blake Corum was at the beginning of last year, but I can assure you I have not forgotten about Blake Corum. Uh, I was thinking kind of the same thing, that this is going to be a game where you want to wear them down, you want to keep Turtle off the field because it could get you know if you get want to get into a shootout with them and they're on a great day like that could get a little messy um no that's why it's huge for dj turner take away one of those guys he'll probably be on demas jr which is a really good matchup um for a lot of the day so i'm all over that um who's going to be on rakeem jarrett like that could be a will johnson role because uh, Jarrett is going to be in the slot a lot. So maybe this is where you start to see Will Johnson. Um, offensive line, you know, um, they're, they're not really going to have much of a pass rush, but if the offensive line can dominate and we can, we could probably win this thing pretty easily just running the ball. I mean, Cade's going to be the quarterback still at this point in the season, I completely imagine. So we could probably, you know, hit them in the mouth early and, and take away any semblance of competition. But that's just don't get into a shootout with them and uh, keep everything in front of you. And I think we should be good on this one. So uh, how do you see the spread, sir? Uh, I think the spread's going to be uh, Michigan by 20. Last year was what, 59 to 17. So I think a spread of 20 this year is more than understandable. 
Yeah. Okay. I'll go with that. I'll, I was going to say something around 21, um, 20, 20 is good. Giving them some respect. Having to go to Michigan is tough. I mean, that's, that's just a really tough ask for them to come in and get the win. Keeping it close would probably be a win for them. I mean, their defense is just not good. So I like that. Um, all right. Uh, before we go to Iowa, got to take a minute, talk about home field apparel. Our people out of Indianapolis, one of my favorite brands, not just because they sponsor us, but because I wear them all the time. It's getting ridiculous at this point. I need to vary up my wardrobe. But what else do you need when they've got you covered with old school, new school designs? They got any college that you could possibly want on there. I go with the old school Wolverine, kind of the sailor looking logo. That's my go to. But whatever you need, they've got you covered over at homefieldapparel.com. You can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout. Go to homefieldapparel.com. All right. Uh, on October 1st, Michigan goes to Iowa, and I would say that uh, things hit the fan as they say this is clearly the biggest jump up in challenge. This is a big one. This game terrifies me to my core. Going to Iowa, all the just the nightmares of playing in Kinnick at 2016. You can bet your ass this is going to be a night game. And this team is going to want revenge for the shellacking we just put on them in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, revenge factor is going to be huge. And then you have to go to Kinnick where they are just a different team. Like, throw out all the statistics when you talk about the advantage that they have at Kinnick Stadium. It's It messes with your mind, it seems, man. Like, you could be the better team by three touchdowns, by four touchdowns, and you go into Kinnick. And, and it could be ugly. So uh, last year on offense, uh, they were 13th in the Big Ten in total offense. Uh, Linderbaum was awesome, but they were pretty actually average. They were dead last in the Big Ten in tackles allowed for loss on their offense, which is surprising with how incredible Linderbaum was. Struggled in pass protection, blocked for the 101st ranked running game in the country. Uh, they lose Tyler Goodson and his 1,100 yards. So this offense was bad last year. I mean, flat out, really, really bad. They put their defense in awful situations, and the defense like made the best of it. The fact that their season was as good as it was was really surprising with how inconsistent this offense was. Iowa is such a difficult team to figure out because if you remember the Big Ten championship game, although Michigan won 42-3, to it's very misleading because the fourth quarter, Michigan outscored them 21-3. to So a lot of the damage was done late, and they forced the turnover when Cade McNamara had the bad throw behind Eric All that was tipped. They missed a wide-open uh, pitch pass in the end zone, I believe on their first possession, missed a field goal. So it was really the game from hell from them. So I expect them to come out in this and, you know, bringing back those starters despite losing goods and they bring back the most starters as a team in the Big Ten. I think they're going to be improved on offense. I think it's going to be more of the same, though. They're grit and grind. You know what you're going to get from this team. They're going to try to pound you, limit the negative plays. But their strength is going to be the defense again. They're going to try to force turnovers and have short fields. That's where they found their success last year was constantly putting their offense in places to succeed. And I think you're going to see that again. If this game were in Ann Arbor, I'd feel a lot better about it. But since it's at Kinnick with that crowd, that tradition, the aura around it, the defense making one or two turnovers, this could turn south quickly. Yeah, I have to imagine they're going to try and make it a night game. That's going to make it even more difficult. I don't see them blowing us out. They don't have the offense to do it. They don't even have a quarterback yet. They have an honest-to-God quarterback position going on between Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla. They don't know who their quarterback is. So, like, I'm not 
as afraid of them coming out and just like hitting us in the mouth. I trust our defensive line. I think our run defense is like the strength of our team. So they're going to want to run the ball because their leading receiver is Sam Laporta, who is the most middle of the road, like backup tight end. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, he's awesome. He could probably kick my ass. And since he's at Iowa, he'll probably end up being the next Kittle. But, you know, I didn't really see much for that. So, uh, like you said, this is going to come down to their defense. Last year, they were ninth in the nation in yards allowed, 20 points per game, lots of turnovers. They had 25 interceptions last year. Can you imagine? They had 20 turnovers in the first six games. It's insane what they were doing last year, and that's what their whole defense is predicated on. Like Michigan's last year was bend but don't break. Iowa's was just chaos, just create turnovers because that's the only way this offense is going to have success is with consistently having short fields. Yep, absolutely. So how do you see this one playing out? How do you attack Iowa? And, uh, and then let's get some key players of the game. I think this is a pivotal game. I think this is a pivotal game in terms of who the quarterback of the future is for Michigan season or a wake-up call potentially. Uh, I'm, I'm terrified of Kinnick, and I'm terrified of the revenge factor as well. So I think Michigan comes in here uh, with Cade McNamara as the starter. I think they'll be struggling to run the ball. I think I will commit to shut it down. I think Michigan is going to make one, two turnovers in this one. I think – I was going to be able to just pull some trickery, grind us out on other aspects of the game. And I just don't anticipate Michigan coming out of this one with a win. It's tough. It's tough to dig deep and find it, especially with that revenge factor. And like, we kind of embarrassed them. Like you said, a lot of that damage was done late. And I mean, it was just ensuring the victory at that point, but they probably see it that way. They probably feel slighted. And the fact that, like you said, it's just the most dangerous place to play. Um, You kind of alluded to something there that I think it's going to be hard to run on them. I also think it's going to be hard to pass on them. I mean, if Riley Moss is that, full strength he's going to cover our number one granted we have a lot of guys and we can get creative we can get tricky and we can make it really hard on their linebackers who aren't as athletic and nobody's really as as athletic as aj henning at linebacker but guys like that could really make life difficult going across the middle getting the ball out of Cade mcnamara's hands early this could be the game where where things shift and you probably see jj mccarthy in this game so i want to put him as one of my key players to the game because i think he's going to add a different element i think if things are going south and we're not moving the ball and this thing is like 10 to 3 at the half and they're up on us and it's not looking like anything's happening it might be like hey call up the kid go to the bullpen it, it has to be. And this is one of those early season games that can get screwy because like when you list the players like on Michigan's offense, like, man, how are they going to get stifled? What's going to happen? It's like, go back and watch the tape last year. Watch the Rutgers game when Michigan completes one pass in the second half and can't run the football. Watch the Nebraska game for a few quarters and they struggled to do anything with it. I think that's going to be the game. This Iowa game is going to be like similar and reminiscent from last season of those games and performances. And obviously, I can't just pick Michigan to go undefeated, although I feel it in my heart of hearts, and I want to say that and be a true fan. But trying to be objective, I think this is that game, and this is that wake-up call of where you're not immortal, and you can't always get those breaks at the end of games. So I think this is the one that Michigan falls in 21-17, but I think they come into this one probably favored by a point. You think Michigan will be favored by one? I think they'll be higher ranked, yeah. 
Yeah. I, yeah, you're probably right, but I think you and I see it the same way. They probably shouldn't be favored because of all the reasons we're talking about, but you can't really quantify things like that. So uh, I, I agree with you there. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good spread and thinking about it logically because Iowa, you know, they won't do anything to wow you, whereas we're going to have played all cupcakes up to this point. Plus, benefit of the doubt, we're the returning Big Ten champions. We're going to start higher ranked. Um, we're not going to have lost up to this point. So that's a very good point. We will be the higher ranked team on that day. So uh, well done, sir. Um, all right. That uh, last game that we want to talk about here, Michigan at Indiana. Mich- uh, Indiana is a, a, an absolute circus tent fire. This is a bad team. <laughs> yeah, they're not great. They were, uh, they're missing their top quarterback from last year, running backs, pass catchers, new coordinators all around. And again, Indiana is probably going to see Michigan after their first and only loss of the regular season, just like last year. It is at Indiana, which can get louder than you'd think that stadium in Bloomington. Like I remember a game a couple years back. I was like, man, like all their fans are, there's only like 20,000 of them, but they're right on top of the field. Uh, I don't think Indiana will be any position that it's going to matter that much. So I don't see it being that kind of environment. So I'm, not going to really worry too much about home field. Like you said, Michigan potentially coming out off a loss here, or I mean, if they're coming off of a, uh, a really dramatic, hard fought, like overtime win, that, that could be a factor than having to go to Indiana. Then maybe it becomes a trap game by a team that's kind of clinging to life, trying to recover. But as you mentioned, I mean, it's also new coordinators, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new quarterback, new running back, new receivers, new little middle linebacker, 12 players coming in from the transfer portal. Last year, they were last in the Big Ten in offense. They averaged fewer than 300 yards per game and 18 points per game. Like, there's just so much ground to make up for Indiana. I don't know how much ground they're going to be able to make up this year. Yeah, they lose just the big three of key pieces, which I thought were their best players from last year. I already alluded to Micah McFadden earlier at linebacker. But they lose like just staples of the Tom Allen era in Ty Freifogel and Peyton Hendershot on the offense, which are both really good players. So I think that's going to be a huge blow to a team that's already going to struggle. And boy, it's going to be a bad day to be a Hoosier because I think Michigan's going to come into this game pissed. Very well could be the case. I love that you're already like so anticipating a loss. You're you're predicting the mental state of these players going to Bloomington that day. Oh, yeah. But that, that would be the case. I mean, I can only imagine that would be a rough day to be a Hoosier. Uh, key players to the game. Key players to the game here are going to be J.J. McCarthy, Ronnie Bell, get out in space, like spread them out, throw it out, pound it out. And the inside, like once they develop, like, once they develop on the outside, they're just going to pound the rock in the middle. Uh, last year, Michigan really struggled to pass the ball still at this time. Just it was all Hassan Haskins in this game. If you remember, Corm got hurt early and Edwards was already out. So it literally was just Haskins running wild. So I think there's going to be a little more in the air of this game, a little more balance. Uh, defensively, uh, take your pick. I'm going to go with uh, Taylor Upshaw. Uh, as of right now, backup defensive end. I think he's going to have a very solid game in this, being a key rotational player. You can pick any defensive player, honestly. I'm just going with some variants here. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. You kind of buried the lead up at the top there, though. You said J.J. McCarthy is going to be key to this. So are you also alluding that after we lose to Iowa, the switch is made to J.J. McCarthy? 
Ah, you're you're starting to see the picture, aren't you? Starting to see it. <laughs> you have the picture quite clearly. I see. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been deep in the trenches recently, and this is how I see the season playing out. I mean, I could totally see that. I mean, what you just proposed is not uh, completely ludicrous. And yeah, if we lose and we can't do anything through the air, the calls are going to be loud. And aside from that, like Jim Harbaugh's not dumb. He realizes that losing J.J. McCarthy for the long term would probably be a bigger deal than losing uh, Cade McNamara for the long term. And if we're not going to do it this year, it's really about, you know, just the overall health and well-being of this program. And you got to think about that. And that's why at some point this season, it probably does happen. And if you're going to do it, doing it early and doing it after a loss when the Big Ten is still, you know, reachable, still attainable. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, I also liked a lot of your players um, on defense. Let me throw some variants in there. Let's give some Rod Moore love. Let's go captain of the defense yes. back there in its second year. Some Rod Moore doing some stuff on this one. Uh, let's also give some love to Mozzie Smith up front, who's probably going to be dominant night in and night out without having huge sacks. So give some love there. And yeah, an offense, pick a receiver like Ronnie Bell. I love that you went there. So so let's go with that. Um, and the spread on this one. Oh, boy, it could be bad. It could be bad. I think it's going to be. And to your Rod Moore point, uh, shout out uh, a listener reader emailed me over the was it yes, emailed me yesterday in regards to my uh, breakout candidates for defense. And they emailed me and saying, you got to put Rod Moore on there. Rod Moore is going to be a star. He's going to fill the shoes here. He's going to do that. And you know what? I responded to him and I said, these are all great points, but I can't pred predict Rod Moore to break out because I already thought he did. Rod Moore is an absolute yeah. dog. Like, I mean, he can't yeah. break out again. I mean, my re my re breakout player, Rod Moore. Yeah, but it's like, come on, you know me. Dude, by the end of it last year, he was captaining the back end of the defense as a freshman. Like, he was out there making changes at the line. Like, he absolutely broke out last year. I mean, he was on crazy high levels. Like, I was incredibly impressed with that dude. It would honestly, like, It'd be crazy if he takes another leap because then it's like, who is this dude? Is this the smartest player that's ever existed? Exactly. So it's like, I'm fine with that. Uh, again, thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. But, you know, trust me, there is no like there is no lack of Rod Moore love in my heart. He's my third favorite player on this team. Um, but back to the back to the point at hand here. Spread of this game. Give me an even 30 burger in Michigan covers. Yeah, I think 30 is fine. Let's go with it. I'm not going to push back on you too much. Uh, unless Indiana does some stuff early on. Uh, what's Indiana's season look like? Actually, here, I've got, it right I've got it right Indiana's uh, early season. Because if they get some momentum going, maybe I could see the spread being a little less. But I don't know. There's just that's such a tough ask with that many transfers coming in, that many new coordinators. It's a whole new team. It's like Tom Allen and a bunch of new dudes. Will be their homecoming game, it looks like. Oh, wow. Really? So who do they start out with? So they start off with Illinois at home, Idaho at home, uh, Western Kentucky at home. Then they have back-to-back -back road games at Cincinnati, at Nebraska, and then they come home to host Michigan. You say they open up with Illinois. We get Big Ten football week one. Oh, yeah. Night game, 8 p.m., Illinois, Indiana. Let's, I'm, I'm tuning in for that tuned in i can't wait to watch 14 hours of college football we have football this month man god dude just i i, I can't take it like don't say that 
it's real. It's starting to be like a couple weeks away. It's like 30 days away by the time this comes out, I think. Yeah, it's I mean, no, it's today's the third. We have football on the third of the next month. I have the whiskey shivers just thinking about football. I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be great, man. We're going to be up there a bunch. I'm going to have to find some like listening party tailgate something. We got to do something, dude. No, say less. You know, we're going to do some stuff. We already have the extravaganza weekend planned. The Michigan state lions game, double, double. Oh man. That's, that's a sports extravaganza. Can't wait for that one, man. But, uh, All right, brother, Uh, that is going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Next week, we will keep on going. The schedule only gets more difficult. We're getting into like some serious stuff, like we're getting into rivalries and yeah, it gets real next week. So definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, That's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. Thank you.